The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. Welcome to Jaws of Justice Radio on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. It's Monday morning. My name is Terry. Today, first, host Bev Livingston speaks with Thomas T.J. James, the community organizer for Our Voices with More Square, Metropolitan Organization for Racial and Economic Equity. They are one of the most recognizable social justice organizations in the metro. Do you, a loved one, a friend, have a conviction? Ever felt discriminated against when it comes to housing, employment, or other areas of life? Do you know if you can vote? Do you feel your voice is not being heard? Have you felt the need to change things but didn't exactly know how? Please stay tuned to learn of the actions of our voice and what you can do to be involved. We'll play the calendar at the midpoint of our hour. For the second half of our hour, host Keith Brownell has a talk with Patrick Sumner, candidate for Unified Government Commissioner, District 2. That election is coming up this year. July 11, 2023 is the last day to register to vote in the primary election. Patrick Sumner is about helping justice-involved individuals find meaningful employment. He's a journalist at Freelance Publicist, studied Black history at the University of Kansas, and went to Shawnee Mission South High School. He now lives in Kansas City, Kansas, and promises to represent. On Jaws of Justice, we examine how to find justice in our society. Justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. Now, our show. Good morning, Thomas James. Good morning. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Today, we're going to talk about some of the many things that North Square provides for our community and beyond. We're going to start with talking about what Moore Square is and does, because there's several things that they are providing support for. And as community organizer for our voices and for our community, TJ, what would you like to share in terms of where Moore Square is right now and where are you going? Well, first of all, uh, Moore Square uh, was created in 2004. It's a social justice organization, and we represent different faith traditions and cultural backgrounds races and economic means and we started out with just 12 congregations and now have over 32 faith-based congregations and so we tackle social justice issues and my particular role is with the our voices um, task force initiative which deals with formerly incarcerated individuals our goal is to effect policy change that continues to disenfranchise persons who have legal histories and criminal convictions. Um, it's one thing to be convicted of a crime. It's another thing to have to serve for the rest of your life and, and deal with those issues. Awesome. Well, I know Moore Square is known for dealing with lots of issues, the access to health and housing, voting, education. And of course, we're going to discuss more about 
the criminal justice, uh, work and transportation and immigration. So you got a pretty comprehensive array of issues going on. And I would like for us to maybe let's start with the criminal justice issues. I know that you don't do direct services, but more squared has been very, very active in the legislative process in trying to make the community ready to embrace persons returning uh, from prison and other places that need to have that support system. So can we talk about how you approach the criminal justice issues and what you've been doing recently to assist our loved ones and people coming home? So we are definitely a grassroots organization and everything from informing the community, informing the public about what's going on, as well as engaging our political system and our political process to try to affect actual, actual tangible change. Um, we actually just had a rally last week uh, surrounding the Amari A. Henderson tragedy in KCK. And it's not just about speaking up, but it's about making sure that we actually make significant change, engaging our legislators, engaging our city officials, and calling them, making them accountable to the community and to the people who have put them in, in their positions of power. I love the spirit of Moore Squared. Um, have known Laura McDonald for many years. Yes. And the approach that you all have with the community, I think, is very effective. Um, the grassroots organizations, inclusive of churches, can really bring people together that are about what's morally right and what's spiritually right. And when you combine the two, you get good results. For the legislative side of the criminal justice work and advocacy that you've done, I noticed um, a, a list um, modified the KCMO liquor license ordinance three times to open jobs to people with a felony. Right. And, and I'm so glad the doors are opening for people who have been formerly incarcerated mm -hmm. because once they've done their time or their probation period, parole period, they deserve to have a right to work at any job like anybody else. So that's why we were active as you guys were in passing ban the box in Kansas yes. City and Kansas City, Kansas. And that was so important because of the way that people were just being omitted from even getting an interview once they checked that box. Correct. Um, other than ban the box, can we talk about the exoneree compensation bill in Kansas? So that um, we're right now we're very focused on the clean slate initiative. Mm -hmm. And so it would provide clean slate initiative would provide um, automatic expungement of, of records on the state level. And so it didn't pass this legislative session, but we did get more traction going forward. And so we're very um, enthusiastic and motivated to continue that initiative and to engage even further engage our faith communities in that effort, specifically in that effort. Because as you just mentioned, once you've paid your debt to society, there's still a need to make a living. And so if you're if you're basically still shackled with so many limitations, um, that's how we end up with recidivism and, mm -hmm. and people turning back to a life of crime because they're not able they're barred from making a good living. 
So those records have to be, even with Band the Box, Band the Box is phenomenal and wonderful, but we need to expand it. Absolutely. It needs to be expanded. Um, and even the way that people report, we had a situation a couple of months ago now <clears throat> with a lady who had her record expunged, applied for housing, indicated that she did not have a criminal record because she did not. But when the company ran the background check, the way it came back is that it listed that her record had been expunged and she was denied housing because the the company said to her, you weren't truthful. When in fact, she was mm -hmm. truthful. And so the way that we report those things, those those things have to be mandated. <clears throat> it should have just showed no record, period. Mm -hmm. So we have to even expand on Band the Box. And, and we've made a lot of strides, but we have we still have a lot of work to do. Well, I just love the way Morris Squared has been on the front line of making things happen. And yes. you're absolutely right. When someone is exonerated, the the general public doesn't look at that as they should. And so teaching them that we're done, we're done. Correct. That TMI experience that the uh, woman had in trying to get housing. And I know once she brought it to you guys' attention, we're squared, probably stepped up and assisted maybe her in getting housing elsewhere or helped her work through the current um, absolutely. housing. Experience. And she has, she has secured housing now just so, so you know, but yes, absolutely. Yeah. I just knew that that was going to get handled. Right. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about the insured funding of the, Conviction Integrity Unit in Wyandotte County. Are you familiar with that or know where that stands now? I primarily focus on the on the Missouri side. Okay. Um, but definitely if anyone wants to discuss that, send us an email. Send me an email, tjames at more squared or more2.org. Um, and we can definitely get information about that in particular. Okay. How about passing the Missouri State um, statute for eliminating the lifetime ban on food stamps for people with drug convictions. Yes, that was a tremendous, tremendous victory because people couldn't get food stamps. And again, if you're having a dif having difficulty finding a job, making having income, feeding your family, what are the alternatives? And so they were had been banned for life from getting food stamps. And so more squared led the charge and really made that happen. So that is now one of our greatest victories yes. is that formerly incarcerated persons are able to receive food stamps, um, which is which is needed to get you over that hump as they're rebuilding their lives. I don't think that most people understand just how it's something that you can't understand if you really haven't been through it or had a very close family member go through it. It's so the, the rebuilding process is so multifaceted yes. and you need just that extra little boost. And it's not something that most of our community is truly aware of just how complicated that process is. And so persons get very discouraged and then we end up with recidivism. And our goal is to be able to change those structures and those systems. The term I like to use um, is actually rehumanizing people who have been affected by our criminal justice system because the system is designed to just totally dehumanize you. And mm -hmm. so we need to be rehumanized and give people a fair shot at making a decent living and being productive citizens of society. 
but an awesome way to express it. And because we live in a society that tends to criminalize being poor, you yes. notice how it's often un- unfair. There's a lot of disparity in what a person of color does and is accused of and someone who's <laughs> not of color. And when we look at the long-term effects of it, it just generationally, it just goes on and on and on. Absolutely. But thanks to Morris Squared, we've seen a lot of change. Can you talk about how long Morris Squared has been around and just what started all of that? Because you are one of the grassroots models that I am extremely impressed with the way that you engage and interact with the whole community, faith community. Yes, absolutely. Um, 2004, so almost 20 years now, mm-hmm. um, 12 congregations, multiple denominations, it crossed denominational lines, multiple congregations got together and formed a more squared, actually in the basement of Metropolitan Baptist Church. All right. Um, and from that time until this time, more squared has been on the front line. Anytime any issue comes up, you're going to see more squared. You're going to see Laura McDonald and her team. And continuing to to engage in this fight mm-hmm. um, now, well over 30 congregations who support more squared and more squared is also is a part of the Gamaliel National Network. And so that's where we receive our training. This is a nationwide effort. It's not just a local effort. It's a nationwide effort. And more squared, I believe, will be around for a very, very long time because there's so much work to be done and none of us are, are getting tired of doing it. We know that it has to be done. Uh, that's a big amen because so many times organizations that maybe depend on funding or depend on engagement of the community um, don't always get to the finish line with issues as I've seen more squared do. And I'm very, very pleased to have you express that to our listening audience today because there is much work to be done. And when you say you don't feel no ways tired, I can relate to that because God will fit us for what we need to do and give us the strength to do it. Absolutely. And I've been seeing that with more squared work and services over the years. Would you like to share anything about the present issues or items on your agenda that more squared is needing support for as in people coming to assist or organizations or what have you? Yes. Um, we have numerous events going on all the time. If you're not engaged with more squared, please go to our website, more squared.org become a subscriber. Um, we are constantly engaged in whatever is going on in, in our community. Um, we have training coming up that, we would love to see people come who are more interested in who are interested in learning more about social justice and social activism. That's coming up on June the 3rd. Um, again, go to our website, go to our calendar. Uh, June 3rd is going to be a big day for us. And so we are um, excited about the work we're doing. We have so much to do. We're, we're tackling looking again into um, trying to get our local control of our police department restored. And that's a big, big, big issue. So, yes, we are definitely looking for supporters. We're looking for congregations. Um, Just reach out to us. And again, reach out to me personally, tjames at moresquared.org. Totally awesome. The voting 
work and services yes. that you guys render. I remember doing um, a voter registration event and Ward Squared partnered with us on it. And you guys over the years have registered hundreds of voters in lower income census tracts all over the metro. And yes. that's so important because many of our people who come home from being incarcerated don't know or don't exercise their right to be able to vote, which they do have that right. Once they've cleared probation and parole issues and all of that, they have a right to vote as anyone right. else. And the engaged voters on health, public education, and voter suppression issues, you all have been phenomenal in the work that I've seen happen over, over the, the years that I've been associated with more squared and you're engaged in broad get out the vote efforts in multiple campaigns and elections across the metro and i've not i i don't recall going to any of the forums for candidates and i didn't see someone from more squared there it is um work and it's work that we do because of our passion for making change Yes. And we have to understand that our vote is our voice and these systems that need to be dismantled and need to be rebuilt cannot happen. None of that can happen without people exercising their right to vote. Mm -hmm. So especially when voters are disenfranchised and voters voters are being suppressed, more squared is going to step up. Even you mentioned um, formerly incarcerated individuals coming home, but there are even people who are in jails and county jails who can vote while they're in jail. And a lot of them don't know that. And the jails don't always provide that service. So that's something that More Squared is very passionate about as well, is making sure that everyone who has a right to vote is able to vote and that they exercise that right to vote. Because, again, our vote is our voice. TJ, thank you for mentioning that, because I remember our own Jackson County jail did not work with us in getting the absentee voter opportunity to all of the inmates who had not gone to court yet been sentenced right. and were just awaiting trial. They have a right to vote. Absolutely. We are going to give you that website again and hope that you will just visit and see all of the outstanding work that More Squared is involved in. And that website again, It's TJ? more, the number two, dot O-R-G. M-O-R-E two dot O-R-G. All right. We have about five minutes left and want to share any other information that I've not mentioned or you at this time, TJ. Well, I would like to say that, um, again, we are incredibly interested and devoted to re-engaging our faith communities. Um, Of course, COVID and the pandemic changed the world. And so many all churches at one point were not meeting in person. And as we start to come back, one of our focuses at More Squared right now is to sort of reinvigorate our faith communities. Um, as churches come back, we need More Squared to come back. We all need right. More Squared. We need more engagement from our faith communities because I believe that God has given us this mandate that we have to deal with the disenfranchised. Yes. We, we're not we're not fulfilling the Great Commission, if you will, if we're not meeting those needs. And so we need our churches. I know that I mean, I'm part of a church. I'm in leadership at a church. And I understand that, you know, we're rebuilding everything and everyone is just now coming back. But more squared needs to be a part 
of that conversation as we come back and re-engage and reinvigorate. So I'm personally devoted to engaging those faith communities. And so if you're listening today and your church is not involved in More Squared, look us up, send us an email because we all need to be working together to accomplish the change that we need to see. Outstanding. One other issue that I really want us to share and is big in the news right now is immigration. And More Squared has gained public comments, commitments, I'm sorry, from Kansas elected and appointed officials to prevent mass deportation and fear among immigrants. One, the welcoming proclamations all over the metro. And you've also ensured sanctuary commitments from area congregations provided legal services and information to hundreds of immigrant families in Kansas City, Missouri, Kansas and Missouri. Yes. Tell us how that's going. Um, I was really deeply impacted and shocked to learn that we had fewer. I saw it on the news this morning that we actually had fewer, uh, fewer detainees over the past week since title 42 expired. Mm-hmm. So, when I say I was impacted, Mike, I'm very concerned. I don't want people to think that this is no longer a problem because it's down 50 percent from last week. And when those families do come to Kansas City, if they make it this far to Kansas City, More Squared is one of those organizations that can serve as a clearinghouse to help people find resources. Um, but again, trying to affect policy change so that it's on the mind of our local officials, our local legislature to understand that we should be a safe place for those people who are coming to this country. So immigration is definitely a big issue for More Squared, and we're here to help. Well, for More Squared to continue doing the outstanding job that it has done for decades now, I would like to invite our listeners to visit the website again, which is very, very informative, empowering, and engage with More Squared to make a difference in work and transportation, immigration, voting, education, and criminal justice, and access to health and housing. So you've got something for everybody. And I'm quite sure that some of our listeners today will be looking up more squared and getting support. We look forward to it. We are here to help and to change this entire region. All right. And TJ stands for Thomas James. That's right. And you are a community organizer for More Squared. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Let's explore. Let's question. Let's decolonize together on Ebony's Bones. Tune in every Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Every Tuesday from 6 to 6.30 p.m., Radioactive Magazine, a locally produced public affairs program, spotlights individuals and organizations in our community that deal with ideas and issues of social and political significance such as climate change, racial and gender inequality, pay and equity, and much, much more. That's Radioactive Magazine, Tuesdays, 6 to 6.30 p.m., right here on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. The 75th anniversary of the Nakba will be commemorated May 20th from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Islamic Society of Kansas City. The Nakba refers to the displacement of many Palestinians in 1948 as a result of the creation of the State of Israel. The evening will include a Middle Eastern dinner as well as recollections from local Palestinians. 
Tickets and information are available at cjne.org. This event is sponsored by Friends of Palestine KC. This message is a public service of KKFI. Now the calendar for the week of May 15th. Legal Aid of Western Missouri provides free civil legal services to low-income and vulnerable people in Jackson County, Missouri. Interested individuals can call 816-474-6750 to apply. Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America is a very active group of mothers and others. You can learn where their meetings this week will occur at momsdemandaction.org. Tuesday, May 16th at noon, is the weekly local control ambassador check-in, or you can join to become an ambassador. More info at moresquare.org. Friday, May 19th at 11 a.m., Empower Missouri invites you to the Community Justice Coalition, a multi-sector team of dedicated advocates who envision a future without mass incarceration. This is a virtual event. More info at empowermissouri.org. Friday, May 19th at noon is the Empower Missouri May Friday Forum, and the topic is the legislative wrap-up. The Missouri General Assembly will adjourn after a legislative session that began in January. You can join Empower Missouri and other panelists to hear the scoop on what went on in Jefferson City this year. Please register for this virtual event at empowermissouri.org. Friday, May 19th, 5 to 7 p.m., Hope and Healing for Survivors of Homicide is a Mothers in Charge support group, which will meet at 3200 Wayne Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri. This is an adult support group. Please call 816-912-2601 for more information. That's 816-912-2601. Saturday, May 20th at 10 a.m., Campaign 9-11 Can Care Expansion Ambassador Training is a virtual event. Kansas is in the midst of a health care emergency, with over 150,000 of our neighbors falling in the coverage gap. Campaign 9-11 is recruiting everyday Kansans from across the state to be health equity ambassadors. More info at moresquare.org. A list of services, meals, and hotlines specific to sheltering are available at lawrenceprogressivecalendar.blogspot.com. That's updated daily. My name is Terry, reminding you that these events and more can be found on the Jaws of Justice radio page on the KKFI website, kkfi.org, as well as on the Jaws of Justice Facebook page. Stay safe. Thanks to all our listeners. Stay close to your dial and stay well. We'll now return to our show. This past Saturday would have been the annual... Because of issues with KKFI, not Patrick Sumner, not by any means, we're not going to be able to broadcast his interview, but we will at a later date. Please stay tuned. We'll replay a March 28, 2016 statement, clip statements after his death of Richard Tripp who's departed now, speaking on visions of a community with heart. This past Saturday would have been the annual Care of Poor People Spring Break. 
an event that provided clothing, bedding, toiletries, a good hot meal, and even musical entertainment for the poor and homeless of our community for around 30 years. Unfortunately, spring break did not happen for these folks. The founder and director of Care of Poor People, Richard Tripp, passed away from lung cancer at the beginning of the month, and his failing health had already prevented him from holding his winter survival event at Thanksgiving last year. Today, we are going to replay the last interview Richard did for Jaws of Justice Radio. And while it is a bittersweet conversation, it was one of hope and a look into a future that can still happen even in Richard's absence. I hope you will listen and take with you Richard's message. That is you. Yes, you can make the difference in the life of someone in need. Welcome, and this is Jeff Umfeld, and I am here with Richard Tripp. He is the director of and founder of um, Care of Poor People here in Kansas City. Richard's been doing a cop for, what, over 35 years? Yeah, roughly. Okay. Well, I want to read something that I got off of your website, and, and it's going to lead into a little story that I want you to tell us. I had been under that bridge for a few weeks, and it was really starting to get cold. I knew I had to figure out a way to survive. So I went to one of the shelters and became a staff member at that particular shelter. The only reason I did it was because I knew I wouldn't get kicked out at six in the morning when the shelter closed if I was a staff member. Well, I had been there only a couple of weeks. One of my duties was to put away some of the donated food that was brought in to feed the poor. Anyway, I'm putting away these sandwiches that this gentleman and his little five-year-old son had brought us. And Richard, I'm going to let you continue the story from there. Okay. The little boy gave me a brown paper sack. Now, thinking it was candy or gum or whatever, I just stuck it in my pocket, you know. Well, I continued to put the sandwiches away. I thanked the kid, you know, like you do, and... I uh, was sitting there putting the sandwich away, and Stuart Whitney, which was the founder, director of Restart, walked up to me, and he said, Mr. Tripp, we got a 100 ministerial students from St. Paul School of Theology coming down, and somebody's got to tell them about this place. And since Dog got sick, Dog was the leader of the group then. Uh, that's a nickname we gave him. He said, guess what? You're going to get to speak to him. Well, understand, Jeff, I had never spoke to anybody about anything, let alone the homeless, you know. And it was about well, an hour later when they got there, and I got up on that little pedestal in the basement of Grand Avenue Temple, and I looked out at all these ministers, and I just froze. My voice froze. I froze, literally. I mean, a but I remembered that sack in my pocket, and I pulled that sack out. When I did, I, I started getting tears in my eyes, and I know I must have looked funny to them guys, because I had great big old tears coming, because it touched me so much how God had touched me then, because what was in that sack was a little Jewish boy's piggy bank. Now, that touched me to the core, and I thought to myself, here I am, 
trying to take care of me. But yet this little baby boy gives everything he's got for the homeless. How much more should I personally do than what I've done? When do you stop worrying about yourself and worrying about others? Well, for me, that was the day. Because that's when the ideas jumped in and cops started. And 35 years ago, I've been doing it ever since. And I don't regret about it. Well, I, I want to ask you, because there's a number of different things that COP has, has done over the years. You know, a lot of people know about the the events after Thanksgiving and, and right, right at Easter time and all. But there's other things that you that COP has done also and been involved in. Why don't you tell us a, a few of those things? Well, you know, I'd like to take... And tell everybody, hey, I'm this great guy. I did all this stuff. But you got to understand one thing. I motivated people. It was the community that actually did the work. It's the community that can make change in our area. Yeah, it takes somebody like me to give them a conscience sometime. But it's the actual community that does it. You know, with there has been things that tried to pass laws to keep people from... uh feeding the homeless, even in their own uh, yard. And luckily enough, God's gave me the power to counteract that. You know, I, I looked at the mirror here, oh, what was it, six months ago, when they tried to pass that law. And I looked at him and I said, you're not going to pass that law in my city. Well, I'm kind of particular. This is my city. This is my community. Now, how how do I expect somebody else to get up and fight? If I won't get up and fight myself. So I looked at him. I said, Mr. Mayor, you're not going to pass that law. And he looked at me like, you know, who in that do you think you are? Well, a half hour later, they had the deal. You was there. And uh, it got throughout. <laughs> you know, I, I'd like to say I did it. But you got to understand, I brought members of the community, other little groups that nobody ever hears from. And we picketed down there. You know, it's like when I started COP. Now, one of the things that I did, I was the first person in Kansas City to ever picket a shelter. And I did it for the right reasons. But I put my life on the line doing that, believe it or not. Because there was people back then, if you mess with people's money, you get in trouble. And people don't realize it. The majority of people don't realize that homelessness is big business. Multi-millions of dollars thrown into it every year. It don't seem to change. But the money gets thrown into it and it evaporates. And a lot of it don't go to where it's supposed to go. We all know this. But people never think about, you know, the business of homelessness. Well, I, I would expect that if you had picketed a shelter that you were probably um, persona non grata um, at just about every other shelter in town at that, yeah, I was from that point on, because they didn't want you coming around and picketing them because of something you'd seen inside their shelter or things where you thought were, were going wrong. So I, I, I can understand when you say that, you know, that, that was something that could have put your, your own existence in, in some peril. Because you, it got cold 
There wouldn't be a place for you to go. Well, people don't. I mean, that's part of it. People ask, they ask me all the time, well, why did you start cop? Why, why? People don't realize how much personal hurt I had to go through in order to make me so, uh, so macho, shall we say, to where I didn't want to see other people being hurt like I'd been hurt. What most people don't know when I was younger in my life, my kids was ripped out by the, uh, from my wife. They was taken from my wife by, uh, DFS. Yeah. Division of Family Services. I tried for a long time. You get wrong me. Because when they take your baby's band and you know you can't get it back and you try everything. And I mean, I tried it. I got married three times just so I had another woman to take care of the kids. And it still didn't work. After so much hurt from that. And, you know, people say men no cry. Boy, are they wrong. Because I did my share. But there came a time in my life when I figured that that was it. I wasn't going to give them back. No matter what I did, and I mean, I tried everything. And I decided right then that, okay, God, I can't give mine back. But I'll do everything I can in my power to make sure they can't pull this on somebody else. And that's really been my whole the whole way of doing things is I, I got enough hurt myself. I didn't want to see other people going, you know, and people call welfare on a woman or a guy and not realize how much these people really love. There's too many. It ends up being a money thing. Well, well, it is for the, the agencies and for the, and for the government agencies also, you know, the private agencies that, that deal in these things. Our tax dollars go a long way and into to areas that we think they don't or we don't think they shouldn't in, in a lot of ways. You know, there's and there's good reason. There's there's children that do need, need right, protection. There are. there are plenty of them that need protection. But, but we also have is, systems that, that once when they, they get in the system, yeah. you can almost not get them out of the system. Yeah. No matter what you do. Look, I love my babies more than anything in this world. And today, I've got a daughter and a son that won't even speak to me because of the stuff that welfare put in our heads back then. And if there's anything that hurts, that hurts more than anything else. Because uh, I, uh, I get things wrong. You know, I'm, I'm human. We are human. But when you go to rip some babies, babies off, you got to use some common sense. My kids wasn't hurt back then. They tried all kinds of stuff to make me out this terrible person. They couldn't prove none of it because it was all bull. But that's actually what got cops started. Uh, I figured maybe I could save somebody else the pain. And still, you know, it's always been about survival, about keeping people alive in wintertime. Until lately, now my focus, you know, you see all these people in the corners with the signs, we'll work for food and all this stuff. Why not change that? This is our community. And, you know, we got a lot of teenagers and a lot of college students that's journalists. 
in other cities that make papers. One problem being with the paper is majority of them write it for the homeless. I want to start a paper that's not wrote for the homeless. It's wrote for the public. And it don't deal with just homelessness. All right. We're, we're going to get oh. to the newspaper here okay. in a minute. There's, there's a little, a uh, couple other things that I'd really like to, okay. to get at. One of them is by your own admission, you're, you're like a ninth grade dropout. So, you know, education is, is not real strong on one of your strong suits here, but you've written books. I've so written two books. I, uh, let me explain this to people, and I want everybody to really listen to this. God gave us all the greatest computer in the world. It's sitting on our shoulders. All we got to do is use it. I got four words I live by, and I think everybody should think about these four words. Never fear, never quit. Because I tell you something, that millionaire out there, he puts his pants on just like you do. You can... Get out of anything. All you got to do is not fear. Don't quit. If you want something, go after it. Keep going after it. Don't give up. Well, tell us, uh, the first book that you wrote was um, Please Underestimate Me, I believe. Was no, it, that was no? the second book. That was the second one? What yeah. was the first one? The first one was It's Hip to Help the Homeless. Okay, that's right. I got them both on the bookshelf, and I've read them, but it's been well, a while. You know what I'm proud of? Both books are in the library in Jerusalem, in the Jewish library, in the temple. And that's one of my proudest uh, things. All right. You've also, although your your voice is, is trying to betray you today, um, you've been a, a motivational speaker, so to say, for, for a long time, um, dealing with, with the issues of homelessness, of course, but... You've also been on stage with some some pretty high powered people. Uh, over yeah, the years. you know it's amazing what God will put you through if you got a mission. And I had a mission, and uh, I've been on with Gandhi and Rudy and Tony Robbins and Mark Victor Hansen, Jack Canfield. You name it. If it's a motivational speaker, I've probably been on stage with them. They all know me. The difference is. I had a purpose, and it wasn't to make money. Most of them make money. And I never figured out why I never went after money. I, I don't know. Maybe if you're poor, you got a poor attitude. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, you know, God put me there. Uh, it started by getting Mark Victor Hansen, the chicken soup guy, in my cab here in Kansas City, taking him to the airport. Now, you figure I got 40 minutes to the airport from downtown. I'm doing 70 miles an hour. He's got to listen to me. He can't go nowhere. So, you know, that that's the con artist in me. I, <laughs> I, I know how to do it. And luckily, by the time I got him to the airport, I had done the nutcleating and the helping me with cop and helped me with one of our events, which was... The neatest thing in the world. But the really neat thing is most people don't know I used to be an alcoholic. And the day I picked him up, I had just got out of Truman Medical Center. I spent 38 days in a coma at Truman. And I got out and I was walking around on a walker. 
And I got my cab back and I put the walker in and I grabbed a hold and went around the car to the door and got in. And Mark Victor Hansen was my first trip that day. Now that had to be a God thing. That wasn't a trip thing. That was a God thing. And for those that don't believe he exists, believe me, I know he exists. I mean, all this stuff I've done, I could have not concede. There had to be somebody up above doing it. All right. I want to remind everybody you are listening to Jaws of Justice Radio here on KKFI. And my name is Jeff Humfeld, and with me is Richard Tripp. He is the director of and founder of um, Care of Poor People here in Kansas City. Richard, let's get to the new project, the, the newspaper, and what your, your vision is. I know we've talked about this a number of times, and um, you've got this 10-10-10 idea. And uh, go ahead and tell people what it is and what you need. Okay. First, I'll tell everybody, unfortunately, two weeks ago, I found out I have terminal cancer. And it's messing with my boys right now and everything else. It's it's pretty bad. They say I ain't got long. But, you know, 30 years ago, laying in a coma, they said I didn't have long then either. So, you know, I'm, I'm playing a bet. But here's the thing. I've always tried to make a difference. And on my way out, I want to make the biggest difference I've ever made. I can't do it by myself, I don't think. I, I'm not sure I have enough time left. But if I don't have time, I have a community here, a community of young people with, that get ideas. And I've got this idea. I'm so tired of seeing these people on the corners waving a sign, we'll, we'll work for food. Let's give them a way to survive. How do we do that? Uh, other cities have had newspapers. They have newspapers. New Orleans especially, they sell a million papers a week. Uh, uh, very little. One of the hard parts is, I'm just a ninth grade dropout. How'd I pull it off? Well, I pull it off by going to the colleges and the schools talking getting the elite kids that want to make a difference in our community and get them involved. Now, a lot of the problems with homeless newspapers is exactly that. People write them for the homeless. I don't want to write a paper for the homeless. I want the paper to be about poverty in our community, in the nation, in the world. Anything to do with property will have stories in this paper. I call it the 10-10-10 mag. What it will be is 10 local stories, 10 mixed national and international stories, and then them sell it, make people keep coming back. We'll have 10 motivational stories, like your chicken soup books. That way, people will want to come back and buy the paper. The homeless will make $2 off a paper. We'll sell it to them for $0.60 for cost of making the paper and everything. But this will be a chance for the community to shine. It will be a chance for the community to talk about the stories. Because believe me, if you get the community talking, we can come up with ways to change things. 
like the community radio station does. Jaws of Justice. You come up with different stories about different aspects of what's wrong. Well, I want this paper to do the same thing. But if I can't pull it off, if I haven't got the time, there's got to be somebody listening today that will take on the project. Because, you know, I don't care if my name's on there or not. I never did. What I care about is making a difference in our community. And this is a chance for Kansas City to really make a difference. So, in other words, you're going to need some help. To, you're going to need some help to make this happen. Oh, definitely. Um, and how would people get a hold of you? How would someone that, that's listening to this today and saying, you know, yeah, I, I think I can make a difference here. I can help. Um, how would they get a hold of you? And- they can call me at area code 816-721-3291. Again, area code 816-721-3291. Or they can go to our website and get a hold of us there at www. C-O-P-P-I-N-C dot com. That's copink.com. Again, www.copinc dot com. Or they can go to the Carol Poor People's Facebook page, which they can pretty well get a hold of us there too. That's the Carol Poor People's Facebook page. Okay. We're, we're looking at cop who's organization that's been on the books here and, and been doing good things for years, uh, over 30 years, 35 years, maybe here or so. If you're not going to be around much longer or, or which I know and you will be talking about this um, in another 10 years, but um, <laughs> who, you know, are, are, do you have someone in line to maybe continue the work of cop itself? I mean, we're, besides- trying. we're trying to bring in new blood. It takes new blood. One of the things that I found out over the years is people get tired. A lot of our staff have just got old and dying off. We need young blood. I need people that really want to make a difference to come in, get involved. Uh, We need new board members. Uh, I need people to be motivated to make a difference here in our community. That's, that's what cops always done. We've, we've motivated people. Everybody says, like I said, that I'm this nice guy. I do all this stuff. It's not me. I motivate other people into doing it. And when I'm gone, which could be any time, there's going to be somebody come along that keeps it up. You know, I'm, I'm surprised. I got kids now that are grown people. They helped me back when I started that are coming in helping us. So, you know, I got a little bit of a legacy. And hopefully, you know, my dream about the paper will happen. There's got to be some organization out here, if I can't do it, that will do it. Okay, why don't you very quickly here, because we're out of time, give the website again. Okay, it's www.copping.com, which is C-O-P-P-I-N-C.com, or our Facebook page, Carol Poor People's Facebook page. Well, Richard, it's been a, a real pleasure to speak to you today. And my friend, uh, we hopefully will uh, be talking, like I said, in another 10 years. We'll still be talking to you, but we'll see. Thank you, brother. It's the 420 Drug War News. Today's guest is the former president of the nation of Switzerland, 
um, one of the founders of the Global Commission on Drugs, Dr. Ruth Dreyfus. I think her whole life committing her her um, fortunes to to helping others, and and I, I want to thank her for helping us by being on this show. Thank you, Ms. Dreyfus. Thank you for the invitation. It, it, I gave just a snapshot. Tell the folks a little bit about your history uh, of working for there in Switzerland. Well, uh, it's a long life. I am 83 now, so that uh, you can imagine that there are different lives, uh, one after the other. Uh, I w- will just uh, speak about the the last, uh, the two last uh, periods, perhaps, of my professional uh, public activity. I was for 10 years a trade union uh, leader in Switzerland. Uh, and uh, then I was elected by the Swiss Parliament into the Swiss government called Conseil Fédéral, Federal Council, which is a government of seven members. And I had uh, the good opportunity to take the responsibility for the Ministry of Home Affairs. And uh, for many years, it was very, very broad. It was uh, social security, health, culture, science, support of universities, uh, uh, and and some other, others, yeah. And uh, as a uh, responsible for health policy, I was also responsible for the implementation of the drug laws in Switzerland. Yes, ma'am, which leads me to, I think, the bulk of our conversation, which is going to be around the the policy of drug prohibition and, and perhaps a new direction. And and I want to thank you, and I want to thank all the other member, members of the commission who have stepped up, who have stood forward and, and declared a need to end prohibition, because that was the, the last major pronouncement from your organization, that it's finally time to pull the plug, right? Exactly. But perhaps let me just say, what is the Global Commission on Drug Policy? It is a a group now of uh, 29 uh, former leaders, international leaders, head of states, head of governments, high uh, official of the United uh, Nations system, cultural leaders, economic leaders. And uh, we we have, in this sense, uh, committed ourselves to change uh, or to promote or to advocate for changes in the despe- in the drug policy. I am Dean at drugtruth.net. enjoyed today's show and that we leave you with something to think about, something to talk to your neighbors about, and a reason to get involved. As always, the opinions expressed are those of the hosts and the guests of Jaws of Justice Radio, not of KKFI, the Midcoast Radio Project Incorporated, its staff, 
or volunteers. You can find our calendar of events and a link to our show episodes on the Jaws of Justice Radio Facebook page. You can always listen to us live and find our podcasts on the KKFI website, kkfi.org. If you have a show idea or want to help produce the show, you can send an email inquiry or comment to kkfi.org forward slash contact. This is Jeff reminding you our outro music is Higher Ground from the Playing for Change CD. Please tune in for the rest of our 9 a.m. weekday lineup with the Law and Disorder on Tuesday, Alternative Radio on Wednesday, Cowtown Conversations on Thursday, and Between the Lines at 9 a.m., followed by Understanding Israel-Palestine at 9.30 a.m. on Fridays. Up next is Monday Morning Medicine Show with Dr. Mike. And at noon, Arts Magazine with Michael Hogue. Stick around for jazz and blues in the afternoon and Eco Radio KC at 6 p.m. Then round out your day south of the border with Fiesta Musicale. Well, I know it won't I'm going to hold on the best I can. And if I fall down, I'm going to get back up. It'll be all right. This is Sam Wiseman inviting you to tune in every Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. for Jazz Afternoon, featuring a huge variety of classic, modern, local, and international jazz music curated just for you by a different, knowledgeable, and passionate host every day. That's Jazz Afternoon, every weekday, 1 to 3 p.m. on 90.1 FM KKFI, and streaming at kkfi.org. Tune in to KKFI's only classical music program, The Classical Challenge. I'm Dr. Mike, and Mark Andrus and myself will lead you through classical recordings, old, new, odd, traditional, simple, and or extravagant but always beautiful. The Classical Challenge, Wednesdays at 9 on KKFI. Did you know that you could donate that unwanted car, boat, truck, or motorcycle to KKFI Radio and get a tax deduction for your donation? Find out more by calling KKFI at 816-931-3122 and ask for the development director. This is Steve Earle, and you're listening to 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio.